We're going to talk tonight about a study of generations. A study of generations. And I want to talk tonight about the four past, the present generation and the past three generations on that. Okay? And each generation grew up in different times. Each generation grew up in different circumstances, both uh, economically, socially, um, and current events that happened around the world. And so tonight I would like to just study these four generations. The, the greatest generation that we all know about and have talked about, and we've just, this is, uh, D-Day was just a few days ago. There was, uh, most of you probably didn't hear that it was D-Day because of everything else going on crazy in the world right now. So D-Day was June 6, 1944, when the Allied forces invaded and landed on the beaches in France, northern France, and got a foothold, which would eventually lead to them marching into Europe and conquering the Nazis. And uh, the greatest generation fought in World War II. Now, at the end of World War II, uh, we have the beginning of what is called the baby boomers. The baby boomers. Now, this is people who were born, and these dates and these years are not real. I mean, some of them, it's concrete. If you were born a year or two later or whatever, some studies say this or that, but we're going with this tonight. If you were born between 1946 and 1964, then you are considered a baby boomer. And I just want to go over tonight the strengths of each generation, the weaknesses of each generation, and what we can do in these, the generation that we find ourselves in to work in the kingdom, to minister in the kingdom. I want to say this at the very outset. If you want to be successful living for God, you have to become involved in the kingdom of God. Okay? If you want to be successful in the kingdom, you have to become involved in the kingdom. We're born into the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. You must be born again. We're born into the kingdom of God, just like you're born into a family. And so when you're born in this family, you are a part of this family and you function with this family and you, you work with this family and you live with this family and you sleep and eat with this family. Why? Because you're part of that family. And so uh, a lot of people are born into the kingdom of God, but they never really begin become part of and acclimated in the kingdom of God because they find themselves uh, maybe their attention is detoured somewhere else, deferred somewhere else. Their attention is over here rather than on the kingdom. And so uh, the, I just want to go through where we're at in a culture tonight. And through our culture, let's see what the strengths and weaknesses are and how it relates to the kingdom of God. Baby boomers, their strengths. Boomers are characterized as being workaholics who relish long weeks and overtime. They are more committed to their roles than any other generation. Baby boomers are considered good team players with 53% of organizations saying they work well with others. This generation 
are regarded as making excellent mentors to their colleagues and juniors in the organization. Baby boomers are now coming into retirement age. Baby boomers are now coming into their the sunset years of their life, so to speak. That's why health care is going to be in greater demand as we as we go because these baby boomers are now into their late 60s, early 70s, okay? And, and they're, they're finding themselves needing the care, the health care that they need as their physical bodies are wearing down. And so uh, baby boomers are workers. Baby boomers are committed to their roles more than any other generation. If we have a lack of anything in the kingdom today, it is a lack of commitment. If we have anything in the kingdom today, it is a lack of commitment. Commitment just like in a marriage. I've been married almost 33 years to the same woman. Whoa, 33 years. Now, I committed to her on August 8th. 1987. See, that's very good. Husbands, always remember your anniversary. That will score you lots of points. I committed to her on that day for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do you part. And she committed and replied the same to me. And there have been times that I'm sure that she would have said, I don't know why I'm even in this marriage. There has been times that it's been very rough and very difficult. Pressure on both of us. But we were committed, and we are committed, to stay together. It's a decision. Commitment is a decision. Baby boomers are, com are more committed in their roles than any other generation. And so they also work well as team players. Now, this is a little off the script, but in 1 Corinthians, Paul talked about the, 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 the church as being like a body. The church is a body. It has many members, but yet it's still one body. And so you have to think about it like this. You know, we have fingers, and we have, we have a, a hand, and a wrist, and an elbow, and a shoulder, and the muscles, and the nerves, and the tendons. All of that makes one arm. I know I probably missed some parts. I didn't have anatomy in school or in college. But all of that makes one arm. Our face is made up of our, our jaws, our teeth, our chin, our nose, our eyes, our skin, our ears, our hair. That's our face, our head, many parts. The church is the same way. The church is made up of many parts all making up one body. And that's why we work together. So the, the boomers are committed to working together. And this generation is regarded as excellent mentors at, to their colleagues and juniors in the organization. Now let's look at their weaknesses. This generation has a preference for structure and discipline and are less inclined to welcome change. It's hard, they say it's hard to teach a dog new tricks. All right? People don't like change. People don't like change. We live in a generation where technology changes every six months and is obsolete in six months. You go out and you spend a, a computer, 
today and you can buy a desktop computer for three or four hundred dollars and it it'll surf the internet it'll it'll do your your spreadsheets it'll do whatever you want and it's three or four hundred dollars I remember back in the late 80s uh, people spending for a what they called then a, a 386 computer four or five thousand dollars and that computer today is obsolete it will not work on anything that we have today so boomers don't like change boomers are competitive so need recognition and rewards to keep them motivated to achieve more and boomers are regarded as the least tech savvy of all generations which prohibits their ability to keep up with developments see I'm right on the edge of this because there are times I say okay how do you do a watch party on Facebook see I've already ran into that situation how do you do this I started a watch party a month or so back when ginger was teaching a lesson and I hit start a watch party and I did and all these people started flying up uh, on the screen that were in my contacts and I just started inviting them and then some of them wanted to be a co-host I don't know what that meant so I said yeah you can be a co-host so by the time it was all said and done I don't know what I did with that whole watch party I mean I had I had co-host and I had people watching and I was inviting and it, I don't know what happened so we're least tech savvy here with the boomers and so that is the boomers here Matthew 937 says this the harvest is great but the workers are few so pray to the Lord who is in charge this is the New Living Translation of the harvest ask him to send more workers into his fields if there's anything that we need in this hour we need more people to commit to the body we need more people to commit to the church well pastor you know I'm I'm, I'm trying I, I have this and I have that and, and I'm trying but we have to commit at some point you have to commit you can't just stay on the fringe all the time you have to commit and so as you commit then you practice faithfulness I committed to Amy 33 years ago and we've practiced faithfulness for the last 33 years so commitment is the agreement faithfulness is the action the execution of the agreement and so it's the same way in the kingdom we come into the kingdom we're born of the kingdom we're born into the kingdom and then we that's our that's our commitment and then every day we are faithful every day we walk by faith every day we do something to build the kingdom that's why I ask you to please start a watch party with this past Sunday's uh, message what is that I'm asking you to to be faithful I'm asking you tonight to commit put it down in your day timer you don't even know what a day timer is most of you Millennials don't even know what a day timer is put it down on your phone put it on your to-do list gonna start a watch party announce it on Facebook it's social media you love this it'll be okay start a watch party say listen I want you to hear this message I want you to actually see men who are called and known as prophets prophesying and saying that Donald Trump would be elected in 2007 almost 11 years before 10 years before commit to it and follow through okay so we got to work in the fields there's a lot to do there's a lot to do around here 
There's a lot to do around this building. There's, there's uh, landscaping, there's weeding, there's painting, there's working, there's whatever I can, I can do, Pastor. There's this, there's that. All sorts of things. What do you want me to do? Lots to do. Okay, let's go on. Generation X, this is my group. Born in 1965 to 1976, the 200th year of America's establishment. 65 to 76. Here's the strengths. 70% of the organizations believe that Gen X are the best overall workers. Generation X, Gen X is committed to juggling work with family time and favor work-life balance in an organization. Gen X is considered to be the biggest revenue generators overall. I don't know if it's because of just the age that we are in and the knowledge that we have or how that all works, but number one, we like to work. Number two, we like to juggle work time and family time. We like to keep the family involved while we're still working over here. This is Generation X. We've got to learn how to balance. What's the weaknesses of Generation X? Less than 40% of Gen X are satisfied with the senior management in their organization. This generation is less inclined to say something if they disagree with management than their successive generations. A lot of us just take it and say, okay, well, that's just the way it is, and we don't do anything to try to change it. We just go with the flow. Gen X values being able to do things quickly and are less inclined to spend hours of overtime completing something perfectly. So Gen X just wants to throw it together. I see a lot of that today. People, I mean, okay, so... Let me give you an example. My daughter was taking my grandson to get his shots. She explained to them that she didn't have insurance right now because they're waiting on a birth certificate situation to, to be edited. Of course, with the COVID thing, the um, birth certificate hasn't been edited yet. They don't answer their calls. Nobody's working. So she explained this to the doctor's office last week, or the last time she went to get the shots. They, they were telling her the shots could be up to $900. It's just vaccination. She was decided that she was wanting to try to get the shots anyway, so she set up an appointment with the same doctor's office to whom she had already said, I don't have insurance yet. You'll just have to bill us, and we'll take care of it. When she got there, they said, no, you didn't tell us that, and we're not doing it, and you can't get it done. Why? Because somebody didn't do their job. Somebody did not follow through. Gen X, we like to do things quick, but we're not willing to do it right if it takes longer time. We want to wipe our hands up and say, that's finished. We've got to be careful of that. So I'm, we're studying this tonight and talking about this because what generation are you in? Does any of this sound like us, you and I? in this generation. So this is our weaknesses here, okay? We don't like senior staff and management at times if we're satisfied with it. 40%, 4 out of 10, are not satisfied with senior management. But at the same time, we're not willing to talk about it, 
try to resolve it. We just go through it and we don't want to cause any waves. But that causes internal problems. That causes problems underneath the surface that may erupt later. And so sometimes it's better to confront and take care of it than it is to hold it in and let it simmer. All right. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom first. We have work time. We have family time. And then now the pastor's saying, we've got to seek the kingdom first. Now the pastor's saying, we need to seek the kingdom. How am I going to seek the kingdom when I got family time? How am I going to seek the kingdom when I got work to do? Well, here's what an idea that may work. Let your kids and your spouse be involved in the kingdom work as well. Putting the kingdom first. Jesus said it in Matthew 6.33. Apparently, if it wasn't important, he wouldn't have said it. So he did say, seek the kingdom first. Somehow, make the canopy of your life the kingdom, and everything else works in conjunction with the kingdom. Not church is over here by itself, and life is over here. A lot of people have so much talent. A lot of people have so much talent. Many people have all kinds, bukus, as they say in the South, bukus of talent. But the problem is, it seems like that when they get out of their car for church, they unscrew their head and brain and leave it in the car, and their body comes into church, and their body worships, and their body feels God, and their body, you know, worships God, and then goes back out, and then screws that head and all that talent back on. So my question is, why don't we bring our talent that the Lord has given us and not just leave, use it at work, but bring it into the kingdom. Bring it into the kingdom. We try to do that around here. We try to identify folks who are carpenters, folks who are uh, uh, good at, at electricians, with plumbers, drywallers, folks who are good at uh, graphic design, folks who are good at web design, folks who are good at, at and ushering and hosting, the host team. We want people that like people to be on the host team. If you don't like people, there's no reason to be standing at the door when somebody walks in on Sunday. So use your talent. Seek the kingdom first. Amen. That's a good one. Generation Y. Born in about 1977 to 1994. 1997 or 77, I'm sorry, 77 to 94, Generation Y. We also call these folks the Millennials. The Millennials. And here's what we found out about the Millennials. The Millennials are this. Millennials are considered the most independent workers. Millennials are concerned with ethics and the social responsibility of the organization they work for. These are strengths of the millennials. Now, millennials have grown up sourcing information. They need to be left to create their own processes rather than being told exactly what to do. So a millennial is going to have trouble if a supervisor comes in and says, okay, I need you to do this, 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 and this, and this is how I need you to do it. The millennial strength is, I'm going to 
try to figure out a way to get that done, but through another way. Now, these are all strengths of the millennial. All right? They're independent workers. They're concerned with ethics and social responsibility of the organization they work for. But yet, at the same time, they don't like being told what to do. Let's see what their weaknesses are. Millennials are not as interested in teamwork as other generations. They like to be on their own. All by myself, I want to be. See, I just changed the words of that song. Millennials do not have a strong work ethic. The average millennial works 38.8 hours a week. Now remember, we have the baby boomers who don't mind overtime. We have the Gen Xers who will work and work and work and work. We have the X who will work, you know, and do all that. But these Ys, they only want to work 38.8 hours a week. This generation is also impatient when it comes to career growth. 71% are likely to leave before two years if they feel their leadership skills are not being developed. I know a lot of businessmen, a lot of people who are self-employed and business, have businesses. And the biggest uh, concern and the hardest part of having your own business in this day that we live in is this. They're telling me it's hard to find good, dependable workers. These guys here, 77 to 94, they're going to range from around 44, 45, 43, 44, 45, up to 24, 25, okay, 26. So 26 in their 40s. And it's very hard. It's hard to find people. It's hard to run a business when you have somebody who shows up on Friday, gets a paycheck, and then you don't see them again for a week or two because they've been partying with their paycheck all the next week and they don't show up for work it's very expensive to hire someone it's very expensive to hire someone because you have to go through human resources you have to go through the drug testing you have to go through all the paperwork you have to go through the i-9s the the w-2s you got to go through all of this business and get it all set up it's very expensive to hire someone and yet these are the guys that don't really are don't, don't want to even work 40 hours a week these are the ones that are not interested in uh, working in, in a team. They want to work on their own. These are the ones that got the trophies. That's because they showed up. These are the ones their parents made them get out there. You're going to play, you're going to play soccer. You're going to play basketball, Johnny, because I know you'll like it. Well, Johnny don't care about basketball. 
but his parents do, and so they also put pressure on the coach to put Johnny into a basketball game when Johnny, A, doesn't even like basketball. He's just there because his parents made him, and B, he's really not that good anyway because where your passion is, Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at, right? And so where his passion is, is not on the basketball court, so he's not going to perform well, but yet there's that outside pressure to perform and to be used. And so we look at the, the generation wise, the millennials, and we have to say, okay, they, 71%, 7 out of 10 of them leave within two years. Within two years, 7 out of 10 leave that job and go to the next one, and leave that job and go to the next one. Whereas we talked about the greatest generation and the baby boomers, many of them would hold a job, and that would be their career all their lives. And now people move from state to state. People move across the country. People go for this job, that job. We live in a very fluid and a very uh, uh, wide-range world now where we can, we can talk to people. We can sit in Vandalia, Illinois, and talk to people in, in uh, Sofia, Bulgaria. We can talk to people in... Honolulu, Hawaii. We can talk to people in Mexico. We can talk to people in the Philippines on our, on our phone, on our, on our computers. We can now see their faces. We can watch people talk to us. All that technology. So the, this generation here, the millennials, it's very hard for them. And it's very hard. It's very hard. Now listen, so in church, so here's, here's in church, and I've used this illustration before. The Bible talks about being planted in Christ. It talks about taking up root. It talks about being fruitful. And when, the, when you're birthed into the kingdom and you discover that you have a home church, a church family of which you're birthed into, it's just like being pl- a, a corn stalk. The corn stalk was planted by a farmer up in Ramsey. For those of you who don't know where Ramsey is, it's 12 miles north of here. And there's a lot of farmland in between. And so that corn stalk that was planted just south of Ramsey, just outside the city limits of Ramsey, decided that it did not want to be planted in that field where the farmer had planted them that they would be fruitful and then they would take that little kernel of corn went into the ground and died and in that kernel of corn was a stalk and a couple ears of corn and the and the silk and the tassel and the leaves and the husk and everything but that corn stalk did not want to be there so it decided that it would leave and go somewhere else and so when you drive up highway 51 from vandalia north to ramsey you see corn stalks walking along the road from Ramsey down to Vandalia. Some of them are hitchhiking, some of them are just walking, trying to get their steps in for the day. What are you talking about? I'm talking about you've got to find some place and plant there. This attitude will come across into our spiritual walk. Well, I'll be at this church for a while, and then when this church doesn't satisfy me anymore, when it doesn't... I don't want to be a team worker. I don't want to. I don't want to be a member of the body. 
when, and then that doesn't work. Or I won't spend all my time there. I won't get involved. It's very important not only to commit and be faithful, but get involved. Get involved. Get involved in a ministry in the church. Don't come in late and leave early. Stay around and talk to your brothers and sisters. Go to a life group. You might find out something interesting about somebody in church. But we don't want to do that because this generation here, this is one of, it's in us. It's in, it's in the generation and it's in our society and it's in our culture. And so we have to be careful. The gospel, listen everybody, the gospel crosses all cultures. The gospel. What's the gospel? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ crosses every culture. There is not one culture that that message will not work in. And what we have to realize is that when we are birthed into the kingdom, then the Spirit of God begins to work on our weaknesses. And every generation has weaknesses. Just like every temperament and every personality has weaknesses. And so we work on those to become a better person, a better man, a better woman, a better father, better, better mother, better, better kid, better aunt, better uncle. You see what I'm saying? We work on trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. I hope that I'm better now than I was 40 years ago. I hope that I'm better now than I was five years ago. We have to ask ourselves this question, are we better? Am I improving every day? Am I doing the best I can? And so when the 7 out of 10 comes into the church, then if we're not satisfied, we come in and then we leave. And then some more come in and then they leave. It's just fluid. It's just in and out. It's like the tide. It's a high tide, then a low tide. But the gospel wants us to commit. Seek first the kingdom. The gospel wants us to commit. The harvest is plenteous. It's great, and the laborers are few. Every place on earth that the kingdom of heaven is needs laborers. What's the scripture we can talk about with this one? Philippians 2.5. It says... Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. Selfless humility. Jesus was a servant. That's what he's calling us to be. Jesus was selfless. That's what he's calling us to be. It's not selfish. It's selfless. It's not selfish, it's selfless. You know, he said, if somebody asks for your coat, give him your cloak also. He said, if someone asks you to go a mile, go two. He said, if someone hits you in the cheek, in the face, turn the other cheek. What's he asking us to do as Christians? Go the extra mile. So millennials have a situation. And you know, our church is full of millennials. We have a lot of millennials. And we have to not only deal with the Lord working on the sin in our lives and the, and the, the warnings of the flesh walk, 
But we also have to deal with the Lord trying to work on the culture, on that culture in us to be changed from the generational culture to a kingdom culture. A kingdom culture. And that's what I asked you Sunday. And I said to you Sunday, I said, listen, we have to repent. And I said this, repentance is not just coming and crying a whole bucket of tears and filling up, you know, tissues and saying, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. But it's about change. It's about returning to what you know to do. Getting to what you know that you should be. You can't have sin in your life and expect the church and the Spirit of God to approve that. You cannot have sin in your life and expect the Spirit of God to approve what you're doing in your life. Because way back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, he said, I will put enmity between thee and the seed of the woman and thy seed and her seed. Enmity is hostilities. Enmity is war. Enmity is conflict. That's why we have to repent. That's why we have to get back to our first love, our first commitment. And it may involve us from being selfish to selfless. It may, be, it may involve, you know, our musicians and singers come here and they work a couple hours on a Saturday at times and, and spend time on Saturday. You know, well, Pastor, I, I want to sleep in on Saturday. I want to, listen, as you get older, you try to sleep in and you wake up at 6.30 or 7. You know? It's no fun anymore. I got things to do. Yeah, but I'm talking about putting the kingdom first. I have deadlines and commitments. I'm still talking about putting the kingdom first because the kingdom needs laborers. The kingdom needs people who have the same attitude in them that Jesus had in him, and that was a servant. Amen. The last generation we're going to talk about is Generation Z. Generation Z for Zimmerman, I guess. Generation Z. No, we did Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z. I don't know if the people that have coined and put these terms and phrases on these generations know that Z is the last in the alphabet and possibly is this the last generation before the Lord comes possibly that's something to think about these were born 95 to 2010 the strengths of generation Z they're the most tech competent of any generation Members of Gen Z are able to pick up on developments quicker than other employees. That's for sure. Because of all the technology that has come down through the, through the pipe of life the last 20 years. Generation Z is a technical generation. This world now is a technical world. Like I said, on, the, on Facebook... We can, I can look, anybody can look at our sermons and our services, and we've had over 800 hits on our services past Sunday. That does not count those who went to Google or went to YouTube, who went to BoxCast, who went to our website, who went to um, 
to um, Roku, all of these platforms, Fire TV, Chromecast, all of these all of these things. And now it's technical. So the word is going out all over the world, all over the place. It's a technical generation. These guys, Gen Z, are natural entrepreneurs. 72% want to start their own business and hire people. They're described as the always-on generation. Gen Z are able to multitask unlike any other generation using up to five screens at once. I'm having trouble with one screen, and these guys can use up to five. That's why you're the tech generation and we're not. This is a powerful generation because this generation, technology... We now have the technology. We now have the technology to reach the whole gospel with the whole world. Jesus said that the end will not come until this gospel is preached in every nation. The end will not come until this gospel is preached in every nation. Now, let me share with you Last fall, we started a podcast. And on this podcast, we take the audio of our services and we put them on a podcast app. And then people can listen to it or they can, can subscribe to it. And since like October or November, let me just name some of the countries that have listened to the, the sermons from this church. They've listened from the Netherlands and Spain and Ireland and Sweden. They've listened from Uganda and Kenya. They've listened from uh, Jamaica. They've listened from Grenada. They've listened from uh, Turks and Caicos Islands. They've listened from um, Canada. They've listened from uh, all over the world. It's just every time, Singapore, all of these places are hearing the gospel. All of these places. We're standing in Vandalia, Illinois, preaching, and then they're hearing it in Spain. They're hearing it in Sweden. They're hearing it all over the world. That's the technology. You see, I believe that Facebook was originally made for the gospel. But the devil has corrupted Facebook. People getting on there fighting with each other. People getting on there... You know, airing out their dirty laundry and griping about this or griping about that. Or, you know, what we having for supper. Half of Facebook is recipes. The other half is how to lose weight. You know, you take this pill and it sucks up all your fat while you're sleeping. I'd love to have about a whole bucket of that. So, help me. You out there, can you help me? But Facebook, I've realized during this quarantine, quarantine, I've realized during this quarantine that, guess what? People are watching Facebook. So let's put the gospel out there. Let's use our technology, Generation Z, and let's do something about this. Now, every generation's got some weaknesses. Here we go. Generation Z are regarded as more cynical than their predecessors, favoring a realistic overlook over the idealism of Gen Y. Gen Y was, a, it was an idea. The millennials have an idea. You know, 
Now we want to defund the police. Are you kidding me? If we're going to defund the police, I think every politician that has armed security, first of all, needs to give them up first. Uh huh. And every movie star that has private security needs to get rid of them all, defund those first. Idealism. Well, if we just teach more social, if we take more, the police money and give it to social programs, then we won't have the crime. There's an idealism there. Gen Z doesn't like that. They like a more realistic look. This generation is not likely to show too much company to loyalty. Some people will stay somewhere and be unhappy for the rest of their life on a job. Some people will stay somewhere and be unhappy and never try to change anything just because of loyalty. This generation doesn't have that. 25%, one out of four, believe that they should stay in a job for a year or less. 25%. Now remember, 71% of the millennials were leaving in less than two years. These guys, one in four. Or two and a half. Gen Z don't know much about a time before social media. Okay, if you show them a picture of an eight-track cassette, they don't know what that is. How about before the eight-tracks? How about the reel-to-reel? See, now we're even getting back. They don't understand the generation without a phone. They don't understand, and a cell phone is really not a cell phone. It is a computer in your hand. The smartphones are computers in your hands. So they're used to social media, they're used to technology, and this can make them very reliant on technology to solve their problems. Here's the problem with that. The kingdom of God is relational. We are relational. Just like a marriage, okay? I don't have an app on my phone that says, here's the app to make Amy happy. And then I open it up and I hit a few buttons and Amy is automatically happy. No, 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 no. Marriage is a relationship. It's the same way in the church. The church is the bride. Christ is the groom. Jesus is the groom. And so we are in a relationship with him. And that's why it's very hard for this new generation to realize that we're in relationship. And relationships take time. And relationships take energy. And relationships take work. I'm talking to you. I'm talking about these generations tonight for all of us to see what we need to change that has come from our culture. So we cannot rely on that technology to solve problems. This is my last scripture, John 13, 8. Jesus was getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. And as he was getting ready to wash the disciples' feet, he came to Peter. And Peter said, oh, no, 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 no. You are not going to wash my feet, Lord. Now, foot washing is a is an ancient Eastern custom. You know, they didn't have shoes like we have today. They wore sandals. 
They didn't have pavement on the roads like we do. The pavement was dust and dirt. And so when a guest would come into your home, you would wash their feet as a sign of hospitality and a sign of humbleness that here, you've come to my home, I'm going to wash your feet. Thank you for coming. So this foot washing was taking place, and the Lord came over to wash Peter's feet, and Peter said, no, I'm not going to have you wash my feet. And the Lord said this, Peter said, thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. What's he talking about to Peter? We've got to be in relationship. When that guest comes for dinner, from that long, dusty journey, and those sandals are dusty, and his feet are dusty. I know I've been working on my pool the last couple days, and I've got mud everywhere. I smell like a pond. Not now, I don't think. But there's hardly anybody here that can smell me. Thank the Lord they're all in the distance. But I smell like a pond. Why? Because I'm taking on the environment around me. And so they have the dust, and they have all this. And they wash their feet and say, here, come on in. Thank you for being my guest tonight. We have to walk in relationship. We have to walk in relationship. So that is the four generations tonight. The baby boomer, generation X, which is my generation, generation Y, the millennials, and now Gen Z. Each of us have strengths that we have obtained and acquired through culture. Each of us also have weaknesses and hang-ups. God wants us to be involved and committed. God wants us to be flexible and ready to serve. God wants us to put our neighbor first. He said, you know, there's two commandments. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And so what we're attempting to do in repentance, this is why I'm still talking about repentance, is we are repenting of those things that our culture has caused us to shy back from serving in the kingdom. Some people say, well, I'm not going to serve in the kingdom because I was hurt in another church. Or I've had bad experiences in churches, and I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to get involved in anybody's life. I'm not going to get involved in any ministry. I'm going to leave right when they stand to dismiss before anybody can pray and talk to me. I'm out the door. I'm leaving. Guess what? That's not how God intended it. God intended for you to be part of a body. God intended for you to be part of a family, the family of God. Amen. So that concludes what we're talking about tonight. Like I said, please, please, please schedule a watch party with your friends on Facebook this week before the week is over. People need to see that message and hear that message. Thank you for joining with us tonight. We love you. Remember, Food Pantry is this Saturday, 9 o'clock. Food Pantry set up for sure is Friday night and also Thursday night. If you have any questions on that, get a hold of Sister Sylvia. And we will go from there. Church will be live this coming Sunday morning, 11 a.m. We'll be here in the sanctuary. God bless you. Be safe. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Seek the Lord in repentance. And let's do this thing together in Jesus' name.